Welcome to Ghoul's Night Out with your hostesses, Brandy and Jody. Hello, beautiful ghouls. Welcome. This is Brandy. I'm here with my sister, Jody. Hello. Okay, so we have to talk about what just happened. So we were testing the microphone. I was making sure that I was recording. Um, and I'm going to insert the clip and I need to warn you that I amplified what we caught. So it is a little loud. Um, just, just keep in mind. Um, so you'll hear me say hello and then you'll hear what we caught. Yes. And it's creepy. I want to know what you guys think. We came up with what we think it says. So if you guys want to write in and let us know what you think it says, let us know. Ghoul's Night Out Podcast at gmail.com. But it's crazy. And again. We're freaking out. Yeah. I'll insert it in here somewhere. Hello, hello. Okay. So. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> crazy. Creepy. I got chills so bad. Yeah. And this is my house. I know. I don't like that. And every time we listened to it, it kept getting like clearer, clearer yeah. and clearer. Way creepy. I don't know what that was. Let's and just say we had a visitor for a second. Okay. And I told it to get the fuck out. <laughs> so hopefully it's gone. Oh my gosh. Okay. So I did not get your joke that you sent me. And this is way... I sent another one this week. I didn't get that yet either. I tagged you. Well, I'm doing the old one, which is way too late. Hmm. But what do ghosts eat on Cinco de Mayo? <laughs> I don't know. What do they eat? Boo burritos. <laughs> Stupid Jeff. <laughs> okay. So we thought... That there was going to be more episodes of this Sasquatch documentary. So, obviously, as you guys know, we did the first two episodes, then didn't. And there was one episode that was kind of hanging out there. So, what I did this week was I went ahead and watched the third and final episode of Sasquatch. And that's what I'm going to do for the beginning. I still can't believe there was only three episodes. I know, but you know what? When... When you conclude, when the conclusion comes, like you understand why there was only three, because they're really just, okay. So it starts out with Brian Regal. He's the author of Searching for Sasquatch. And he says, monsters aren't born, they're made. Um, And he makes a good point. It's a coping mechanism and humans are hardwired to believe in things that aren't real. It's, you know, we we make things up so that things aren't as scary, I guess. So things make more sense to us. Yeah, yeah, and, exactly. Yeah. So then we um, we see David Holthouse again. He's listening to a recording of a call that was made by this the alleged killer of the three Mexican workers. Um, his, vo- his voice is altered. Says he knows he's making a documentary, but he doesn't want to be on camera. Ghost Dance says that this guy was brought in for questioning about a different murder in 2013. Uh, so this is that same killer guy that they thought oh. uh, that was involved in, in the murders. 
Uh, he had been in the mountains since 91. David asked if he thought it was safe for his crew to go to Spy Rock and try and get information. And the killer guy said that he shouldn't go there without an invite. So these people were not... They, they don't allow visitors, basically. He says that he can tell it's someone who is experienced in interrogations. And he can make a threat without actually threatening mm-hmm. you. He can kind of, you know, make that work for him. Then David asks about if he's heard anything about Sasquatch. And he says he has no idea what he's talking about. And David was trying to end the conversation. And the guy hung up on him. It sounded kind of like he was scared a little. It was super weird. The guy he was talking to? Yeah, this this killer guy that they, they never said his name. Okay. So, yeah, as, as soon as he started talking about Sasquatch, he hung up on him. So I don't know if he was thought he was a dumbass or if he was scared. <laughs> so, so a source from Spy Rock says he doesn't know who to believe or what to believe. So... He's really relying on the same things that keep coming up from different sources. So the same information. He always gets information. There's three Mexican workers. Hell's Angels always come up. Murdered by a powerful grower. Murdered because they got a girl strung out on meth. Messed with the wrong girl. So these are the stories that were told around this area. So David sits with an investigator from Mendocino County Sheriff's Office. He's blurred. There's actually a contract out on his life because he killed some drug cartel guy. So he only agreed to do this if his identity was protected, which is crazy. Says he doesn't know this killer guy, the guy that they never say his name. Crime is common on Spy Rock Road. Says it used to be just a hippie area. Then the growers arrived and it just got bigger and bigger. Ghost dances back. Says one of the first major growers in the area was a guy they called Bigfoot. The big guy had his whole family up there. He would drive around in off-road vehicles. And he was legendary around there. So common terminology started people. Um, they would say, oh, Bigfoot did it. So he that's mm-hmm. how they knew him. So then we hear a memo from David. And he's like, if the guy was involved in the murders, it was because he was following orders he does think that there are people higher up on the food chain that was directing this. So this killer guy that everyone's saying did this, he's saying that basically if this guy was involved, he was told to do it. Maybe this Bigfoot guy could have ordered things like this. Who knows? And Ghost Dance says he he had never heard anything about that guy ordering anything crazy like that. He said that about the other guy too, though. So who knows? He always has good things to say about people. Then David starts thinking back to the cabin, like his experience. And he was like, okay, well, did I hear a Bigfoot killed those guys? Or did I hear Bigfoot killed those guys? So he's like, okay, I really, you know, I might be misremembering. So he didn't know if if they were talking about an actual Bigfoot or this guy. Yeah. So, oh, so yeah, memory is tricky. He doesn't know for sure. Then David asked this investigator guy if he knew of anyone in that area named or goes by the name Bigfoot. And without hesitation, he says, yeah, that sounds like Bigfoot Gary. (laughs) So he's been growing up there for 20 plus years. In 1999, they served him with a search warrant. On the police report, it says that he is large and loud. 
He got a felony charge. They seized a bunch of plants worth 150K and guns. Police report also said that he had dogs strategically tied up around the property to alert him so he could flee if Mm. anybody was coming out there. So he definitely had some shit going on. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, So David's talking. He says a few people who were asking around California about this killer guy and Bigfoot Gary. He's looking for someone to put those two together. He's wanting someone to, like, oh, yeah, they worked there or whatever. He also wants to know why the killer guy was brought in for questioning and his property was searched in connection to that different murder in 2013. Uh, why would they think of him? Like, you know, why would that? Why would he, he come to mind? Both cases were Mexican nationals on Spy Rock. No plants were taken, so it didn't appear to be a ripoff. And no indication a Sasquatch did it, uh, though, but a lot of similarities. So, uh, Hugo's niece, Diana, is back. And the 2013 murder that they keep bringing up is the murder of her uncle, Hugo. The guy that was murdered in the tent. And this killer guy was questioned about his murder. So that's how they all tie together. So she's talking about her uncle, said he was tall and skinny and loved to laugh. He was good to his wife and daughters. I put so sad. He wanted to work with the plants. It really sounded like he thought he was going to come to America, work with marijuana, make a shit ton of money, retire early. Mm -hmm. That's what he wanted to do, take care of his family. Yeah. So sad. Uh, His killer is still out there. So her family and her, she, they're scared, you know, they obviously. So then a video of police questioning. He sits, uh, David sits down with detective Luis Espinoza. He's the lead investigator of the Hugo Olea Lopez case in 2013. It seemed like there was a bit of a language barrier, but I thought he spoke uh, Spanish. So I'm not sure. He said that the family, the family was the ones who brought the dead guy to their attention. So, like, I guess they hadn't heard from him in a while. So no one noticed him mm, otherwise. Yeah. So, like, it didn't seem like they cared much. It really didn't. They thought it, he was a target. If you were on Spy Rock, that meant uh, that meant to go there. You 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 mean to go there? You don't happen to upon it, you know? Yeah. Uh, There are a lot of unsolved murders, unreported crimes, said it was a bad area. And there were there was a lot of racism against Hispanic growers. No one will talk. They won't get they don't want to get attention brought to them. They probably know exactly who killed Hugo and why, but no one will talk. Then Tom Allman, Mendocino uh, County Sheriff, described a horrible situation. If they're working in America and from Mexico, they aren't even aware these guys exist in the first place. So they're not being reported missing in the U.S. at all. Uh, they may not even be able to identify the victims when they find them because no fingerprints are in the system. DNA is being collected, but nothing to compare it to. And again, no one will talk. So it's it's horrible up there. So, Dan- so did they come here um, illegally or? I think so. Okay. So yeah, there would be no record of them Nothing. at all. Nothing. The only people that know that they're here are their family. Yeah. And you know, they're not, they're not talking to them every day. Probably they're. Yeah. They have no idea. 
Exactly. They're even missing. Exactly. So, like, it's not a good situation. So then David is put in touch with a longtime grower in the area, said as soon as he started walking up, he could smell meth. Uh, she didn't want to talk. She didn't want to drink, but she offered him some meth. Uh, he asked about Bigfoot Gary and she knew him and said that he had big feet and would run around with bare feet. Asked about the murders and she said that her son on his first day of kindergarten witnessed a double murder she said he was so close he got blood on him and it got in his mouth Mm. ew poor guy said she was so glad that someone was trying to look into it she started crying and then she gave him the name martinez possibly could have been his name so again we hear a, a memo from david he said he thinks he got a contact high from her so he couldn't sleep uh thinks they were talking about the same murders he um, but the biggest discrepancy was that she said the murders, uh, there were two guys that were murdered and everyone else was talking about three murders. Um, so to pin down a date was his next move. He needed to know what the date was. So they're in the hotel and he asked her to talk more about the murders that her son witnessed. And he told her that two guys were murdered in 1996. So mm, fuck. Yeah. That's not it. Different multiple murders, same place. So they go back to talking about the rate of missing people in that area. And it is by far in the U.S. the highest. And they say monsters are definitely among us. So just monsters that will kill people, Mm -hmm. bury them in the mountains, and forget about them. It's it's horrible. So David wants to question this Bigfoot Gary face-to-face, like real bad. So he starts questioning people like around that area in the store and we hear audio from a clerk says she knows Gary, but that's it. Like she won't talk about it. And it's like, why are these people so scared and who are they scared of? Like what is happening? It's crazy. So then we go, uh, we're in David's car and some guy who, who doesn't want to be identified says he met Bigfoot Gary in 2006, worked for him for two seasons He said he was a pain in the ass to work for. Someone you didn't cross or piss off. Uh, Pretty high up on the food chain. He asked if he could see him killing someone. He said he couldn't see him killing someone, but he could see him ordering Mm. murders. Uh, Then he said any man would under the circumstances. Like, what? What was he talking about? So then this guy says that the guy's daughter was raped by these guys. And shit got really quiet in the car, and he said that's what he heard. Uh, He was not there, but he heard Gary's daughter liked to party and got messed up and was raped by three men. And Gary found out about it, said it would be easy to clean something up like that, and that's what it sounds like. Mm -hmm. So David is like, well, if that's the case, good on him. Like, fuck those guys. But if not, he's a racist piece of shit, and that's even scarier because he knew a bunch of stupid white people who would assume Mexican are rapists, and they will just murder anybody. Mm-hmm. So bad either way, probably. Yeah. So David wants to meet him so he can gauge what type of person that this Bigfoot Gary is for himself. He wants to look into his eyes because, you know, David's been through a lot of shit, and he can gauge people pretty well. So David gets two texts from Bigfoot Gary's neighbor, relaying a message from Bigfoot Gary's wife. Okay. (laughs) So the first one says, 
She says that Gary didn't kill a bunch of Mexicans and that they weren't living in Laytonville during the years in question. Second text message says, she says, call me and let's talk about what this is all about. Then gives him a number. So his wife, it seems like he called her and she didn't answer and then she called him back. So the wife calls and she is definitely defensive about people calling her husband a murderer. She says he's a dick, but not a murderer, (laughs) (laughs) which I can relate. Yeah. Um, They have been married for 22 years. She knows him. Then he asks her about this, the original killer guy that they never said his name. And she says she knew him. Then he asks if he can talk to Gary. So Gary gets on the phone and says he knows the killer guy and did a few business deals with him. He did not have a daughter that was alive in in 1993. She was born. She He does have a daughter, but she was born in 2000. And says he never killed anyone at any time for any reason. Uh, and public records do indicate that Gary was telling the truth. He did not have a daughter in 1993. So. David is actually shocked that Gary was telling the truth. Um, There was an obvious disconnect between what actually happened and the stories that were being spread around the area. So he starts talking about the Bigfoot hunters and that they keep searching because they are so convinced and they've convinced themselves that what they're looking for is just around the corner. It's, It's out there. It's definitely out there. We just haven't found it yet. And he was like, did I just do the same shit? He's like, oh, my God. So then Wayne and George's is back. Mm -hmm. And why? They quickly say that they wish that someday there would be proof that Bigfoot exists and they want to see one. Okay. They're scared, but they want to figure out the truth. Like, why were they even on here? I'm sorry, but what the fuck? (laughs) Um, Okay, so David is back to square one. So he's trying to find the owner of the farm that he was working at in 1993. So he called a couple of people and asked to relay a message for that guy. He will talk to him about it. He called and immediately said, no names. David was like, hello. And he was like, no names. (laughs) So David's freaked out by this guy. He, you know, with his experience, he trusts his instincts and he got a weird feeling from this guy. Um, And all of the people he talked to was worried about him the most. So David asks about that night and the guy says that he will lay out as much as he's comfortable to lay out. And then he says that the story that he heard that night was true, that those three guys needed to go. Like what? What was he talking about? So this guy says that all the old timer farmers were talking, getting fucked up on their drug of choice, and said that the Mexican farmers were becoming a problem. That they were looking to work on the farms of the older farmers and essentially just take them over. Mm-hmm. So they would find these older guys and, you know, starting to work for them and be all nice. And then when they got comfortable, this is ours now. What are you going to do about it? Basically. So this was like a problem. So... Then someone says something like, well, I wish we had something like chupacabras around here that would scare people off. Then someone else says, well, we have something better and started these stories in this rumor based place. And that's what David was hearing at the time. Those stories secondhand. But that that totally makes sense. Yes, it does. 
So the whole thing was staged uh, to make an example of these particular guys that were killed. David asked if he was involved with that decision, and he said no comment. And asked if the story that he heard was true, that three guys were killed, and the guys that were freaking out about, they saw these dead bodies. And he said that without a doubt, they saw what they were supposed to see. Mm -hmm. So they arranged for these chatterboxes to be working there on purpose. They were on drugs. They staged the whole thing and they knew that the story would spread because these guys that they picked to discover the bodies were in particular people that would spread stories. So Sasquatch was framed. He was. He was framed. He didn't do it. (laughs) (laughs) But myth is powerful and people are scared of the unknown. And it's so true. And that was it. (laughs) That was it. So it was all frame job. It was. What the fuck? Poor Sasquatch. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so that was my beginning. I I really, you know, I knew it wasn't going to be a whole episode. So I just wanted to quickly, you know, yeah. go over that. It was still interesting. It was. And it, it again, it was one of those where... One second you were convinced that Sasquatch was real and Bigfoot killed those people. And, you know, and then the next you were like, oh, my God, it's so not real. And you just you don't know. Well, when I when we first started watching it, I was like, there's no way. Because, I mean, you don't ever hear stories of Bigfoot attacking people. Especially being aggressive like that. Yeah. No. Now they'll throw rocks. Yeah. And try to get you to go away. Yeah. But as far as attacking people and killing them and yeah. dismembering them yeah, and yeah, like ripping them apart is what they were saying. Yeah, that was crazy. So I did convincing stories of people who claim they saw the Mothman in real life. Holy shit. And I got these from um, uh, Ranker. Okay. Now I think Mothman is particularly creepy because it seems that people only see him before something really bad. Yeah. Yeah. So he's often described as a humanoid figure around seven feet tall with a massive wingspan and hypnotic glowing red eyes. The creature of legend known as the Mothman seems to be connected to tragic events. Across the world, witnesses claim to have seen a creature with sightings becoming more frequent, frequent, (laughs) frequent in the days leading up to horrific events. Two bridge collapses, the Chernobyl disaster, and even the 9-11 terrorist attacks were all allegedly preceded by Mothman sightings. What is the Mothman? Could it be a cryptid like Bigfoot or something otherworldly, perhaps extraterrestrial in origin? Reports of strange lights in the sky, an unnerving humming sound, and electrical interference have all been tied to Mothman sightings. Many have asked about this creature's possible motives. Could it have been causing these disasters? Or should its presence be considered a warning of what's to come? Like any good harbinger... Is that how you say that? I think so. ...of doom, the Mothman is said to possess a blood-curdling shriek that's been known to make those who hear it experience nausea and vertigo. Huh. And then these are the stories... A trucker reportedly spied the Mothman at O'Hare International Airport in Chicago. 
A truck driver who stopped at O'Hare International Airport in Chicago on November 26, 2019, claimed he spotted a person with wings. Around seven feet tall, standing by a fence while he took a smoke break at about 6.30 p.m. Oh, my God. He reported his sighting to UFO Clearinghouse, an online source for odd encounters that describes itself as a portal for the truth. According to the investigator who took the report, the truck driver said the creature had a wingspan of approximately six feet and looked like a demon or goblin and was solid black. The witness mentioned the creature may have had its back to him and that it was walking with a gait like a bird. He claimed it was flapping its wings as it walked toward the large field that is by the airport runways and disappeared into the night. The witness himself believed he was in the presence of a demon. When the investigator asked him if he'd seen anything like it before, the truck driver detailed a similar experience as a child in Mexico where a solid-winged black creature was circling an open field and made a loud screeching noise before flying off into the surrounding forest. Similarly, the experiences of those who claim to have encountered the Mothman. What the heck? I don't know. It, wouldn't it be weird if only certain people saw him? Because that guy saw it twice? Yeah, that's weird. Just like people that... there, Like there's some people that never see ghosts. And then there's other people that see them all the time. Yeah. Like, what if a part of their brain is, like, open or something and nobody else can see it? You know, I want to know what a person would be like that used their whole brain. I want to know that, too. Have you ever seen the movie Lucy? It's got Scarlett Johansson in it. I did, but it was years ago and I don't remember anything It's really it. good. And it it kind of, like, in in that movie... She, she is, uh, like someone puts drugs in her system or something that enables her brain to be used a hundred percent. So it, it affects her until she dies, I think basically, but yeah, like it's, it slowly opened up. I mean, all sorts of shit that she could do. Yeah. I want to know. I do too. But again, because in in that movie, I think Morgan Freeman is a professor that actually talks about what if we used 100% of our brain, like what would happen? Mm -hmm. So there's like studies about it and stuff, I bet. It'd be interesting to see those. It would. Um, The Mothman is said to have haunted Point Pleasant prior to the Silver Bridge collapse, which that's the one that everyone's heard Yeah. The first of a series of strange sightings actually took place about 85 miles away from Point Pleasant in Clendenin, Clendenin, (laughs) West Virginia. Five grave diggers heard a rustling in the trees overhead and looked up to find what they claim was a flying man directly above them. Over the next few days, more reports started trickling in. Two volunteer firemen described a large bird with red eyes. At least 100 reports from people of all ages circulated throughout Point Pleasant between November 1966 and December 1967, describing a monster that was able to ascend straight up into the air like a helicopter. All of the witnesses described the same bird man with glowing hypnotic red eyes and the wings of a bat. Mary Heyer, a reporter at the time of the Mothman sightings, received over 500 phone calls 
not only about this mysterious creature, but also strange lights in the sky, electrical interference, mysterious humming sounds, and UFO sightings. Then on December 15, 1967, a year after the Mothman sightings began, tragedy struck. During rush hour traffic, the Silver Bridge collapsed, 46 people died, and the Mothman disappeared. Holy shit. If I saw a normal bird with red eyes, I would die. Yeah. Let alone a flying a, man with... Oh, my gosh. No. I can't imagine seeing something like that. Hell no. And just like that guy, I keep going back to that guy just smoking a cigarette, looks over <laughs> and sees this fucking seven foot tall thing. Oh, um, my God. Mm-hmm. I would die. That's so scary. I don't know what I would do. <laughs> Two young couples were reportedly chased down Route 62 by the Mothman. On November 15, 1966, two couples, Roger and Linda Scarberry and Steve and Mary Millette, were driving past a TNT plant when they saw a humanoid figure with glowing red eyes. Linda described what they saw on the side of the road as a bird-like humanoid creature with a large wingspan and fiery red eyes. She said it was about seven feet tall Its wings folded against its back. You could see muscles in its legs, she recalled. The creature followed them as they drove back towards Point Pleasant on Route 62. Then it veered off into the fields and disappeared. The group went straight to the Mason County Police Department to share the terrifying account, which soon made its way into local papers. I wish we never seen it. I wish someone else had seen it, Linda Scarberry said later. Yeah, I would want Mm -hmm. validation myself. The Mothman allegedly saved the lives of miners in Freiburg, Germany. On September 10, 1978, a group of miners in Freiburg, Germany came face to face with a seemingly headless creature with glowing red eyes on its chest, blocking the mine's entrance. At first, they thought it was a man in a trench coat, but they quickly realized it was not a coat, but unfurled large black wings. The men remained in the main entrance, and the mine entrance, stunned and staring at the creature until it let out a blood-curdling screech that sent the miners scrambling out. About an hour later, the men felt a seismic rumble and witnessed a plume of dust shoot from the mine as it collapsed. If the men had gone to their stations in the mine as usual, the majority of them would have died. It appeared as though what they dubbed the Freiburg Shrieker saved their lives. Holy shit. That's nice. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's like, is is he good or is he bad? Yeah. You don't know. Maybe he's trying to warn people. Yeah. Instead of them freaking out because he's so terrifying looking. <laughs> The Mothman may have tried to warn people off the Fukushima disaster. Or Fukushima? That sounds right. Marcus Pules, an American visiting Japan, was out with a friend near the Fukushima plant when suddenly they heard a loud whooshing sound and a terrible screeching. As they looked back towards the plant, they saw a figure Pules described as large and black. From the distance I was at, it looked to be standing on top of one of the squared-shaped buildings. It sat there for about five seconds, then unfurled a large set of what I could only describe as large black wings. The creature took flight, circling the plant a few times before coming closer to them. That's when I noticed the two large red eyes. They seemed to glow from within and with a blood-red hue. They were unblinking in the three to four seconds we saw them. 
We knew they were looking straight at us. We knew this creature knew we could see it, and it made no attempt to disguise itself. Pules described an immense feeling of dread that washed over him, and the creature vanished as quickly as it appeared. It wasn't until Pules was back home in America hearing the news on CNN about the devastation of the Japanese earthquake and the explosions at the very same nuclear plant power plant where he had witnessed the creature that he realized he may have seen the infamous harbinger of disaster known as the Mothman. Huh. Again. Did he save them? I don't know. Weird. The Mothman was apparently hanging around the Twin Towers the week of the 9-11 attacks. During the days leading up to the terrorist attacks on September 11, 2001, several people reported sightings of a black-winged creature flying near the Twin Towers. During the attack, as the second plane hit, eyewitnesses reported a creature flying parallel to the plane. Then, in the days that followed, those reporting the creature were allegedly approached by men in black and warned to stop talking about what they saw. Ooh, what? Mm-hmm. Huh. The Mothman is allegedly connected to the Chernobyl disaster. The Mothman is believed to have been around for the worst nuclear accident in history. Throughout 1985, many scientists and other workers at the nuclear power plant in Chernobyl, Ukraine, claimed to see a huge black bird-like creature with the body of a man flying around the plant. Those who saw the red-eyed beast also reported a series of strange, harassing phone calls and a string of nightmares leading up to the disastrous explosion in April 1986. On April 26, 1986, the day of the accident, several people saw the huge black bird actually flying around the smoke after the explosion. Even those in the nearby town of Pripyat claimed to have seen the strange creature that became known as the Black Bird of Chernobyl in the days leading up to the disaster. Pripyat <laughs> was also affected and later evacuated because of the harmful radiation. Mothman might have appeared at the site of the I-35 West which bridge collapse. <laughs> The Mothman was spotted at yet another bridge collapse in 2007. Eerily enough, the I-35 West Bridge in Minneapolis, Minnesota was opened for traffic in 1967, the same year the Silver Bridge collapsed. Then on August 1, 2007, after a month of Mothman sightings, the I-35 West Bridge collapsed during rush hour, taking the lives of 13 with it and injuring 145 more. Oh. Reports of the Mothman began trip trickling in on June 27, 2007, preceding the collapse by a mere month. Many claimed to see the humanoid creature flapping its massive wings in the surrounding area and at the bridge itself. An Illinois, an Illinois woman witnessed the creepy cryptid while driving just outside of Stewartville, Minnesota on June 27, 2007, called Paranormal Radio Show host George Norrie on Coast to Coast AM, and described the creature as having a huge wing about the width of a Ford. Whoa. A West Virginia man claims his dog was taken by the Mothman. Oh, no. On November 13, 1966, in Salem, West Virginia, Merle Partridge heard a loud noise outside of his home, 90, mi 90 miles from Point Pleasant. During an interview in Eyes of the Mothman, he recalled his television making a high-pitched whining sound and his dog barking wildly. 
After going outside to investigate, Partridge was startled by two glowing red eyes that belonged to no animal he'd ever seen before. He also described eerie flashing red lights that seemed to be dancing around. His hunting dog took off after the creature, and that was the last he ever saw of either. He went out to search for his dog with friends the next day, but the dog was never seen again. The combination of hundreds of Mothman sightings in the area that year, claims of red lights dancing over the TNT plant, and electrical interference during these sightings have all led to speculation that the Mothman might have extraterrestrial origins. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. An eyewitness in Wisconsin says the Mothman attacked his car. In September 2006, in La Crosse, uh, Wisconsin, Owahali, I guess, a Cherokee man and his son were driving an isolated stretch of road at night when the Mothman attacked them. In the interview on Monster Quest, he shared his encounter. Awahali told how the creature flew alongside and then directly in front of their windshield close enough to touch. They got a really good look at it, describing it as bat-like and fleshy with sparse hair and red eyes the size of road reflectors. He described the monster's high-pitched screech that gave them vertigo and made them sick to their stomachs. The man's son pulled over and threw up on the side of the road. After returning to the location a few days later in the daytime, all they found left behind was a deer carcass that they later blamed on a poacher. (laughs) Mothman sightings are correlated with the swine flu outbreak in Mexico. Some believe the large, hairy, red-eyed creature the people of La La Junta, Mexico, began to see stalking the area in 2009 was a legendary Mothman. The sightings occurred around the time leading up to the 2009 swine flu outbreak in Mexico. Two witnesses, Angela Mendez and Viviana Ledesma, experienced pure terror as they heard the creature's screeches emanating out from an apple orchard near Minyaka Cemetery. A student who requested to remain anonymous reported the Mothman chasing him for 15 minutes on the night of March 6, 2009. Despite the best efforts of local authorities to hunt down the entity, no traces of it were found. And this is the last one. The Mothman may have signaled the deadly Zion de wait Zion Te Dam disaster. <laughs> a region in southeastern China was plagued with sightings of a figure that resembled the Mothman in early January 1926. Dubbed by locals as the Mandragon, the shadowy, ominous figure was seen hovering over the dam. Then disaster hit the the surrounding farming villages in the form of 40 billion gallons of water. The dam collapsed, resulting in the deaths of 15,000 people. Holy shit. It's crazy. That's all I got on that. Okay. So I had a hard time finding stuff this week. So I'm pretty sure these are karma stories. Okay. Or just funny in general, I guess. Anyway, customer yelled at me for 10 minutes about how her two $5.99 pizzas were $12 when 5 plus 5 is 10. She called me an idiot, so I smiled and said, okay. Then she got all smug and left without her food. I wonder how she's doing sometimes. <laughs> oh my God, people are stupid. Yeah, what the fuck? 
$5.99 is really $6, people. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I yeah. can even do that, man. I know, right? Yeah, me too. And that's that's bad. Mm-hmm. This one is fucking hilarious. I work one day writing a menu board for lunch specials. A couple comes in and starts chuckling behind me. The lady gives me a snide look and says, what's a sandwich? It's spelled S-A-M-W-I-T-C-H, honey. Oh, my God. Ha ha. She wrote sand like the desert. I just smiled and didn't even correct her. That cocky stupidity was truly a sight to behold. Oh, my gosh. Sandwich. (laughs) She she wrote sand like the desert. (laughs) It's like, I hope she read that. I hope she read that. I mean, she probably would have been like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. What a moron. Get a dictionary. Come on. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Next one. I was a service tech tech. No, no. A service desk technician at a hospital helping a doctor reset his password. He kept misspelling the temporary password. It was welcome. One, two, three, four, five. Turns out he thought Welcome had two L's and freaked out on me citing his education and my, at the time, lack thereof as evidence that he was right. Oh, my God. After going back and forth, he got frustrated and handed me off to his nurse and left. She got it on the first try, then apologized to me for her boss's behavior. Funniest part was when she was hanging up, I heard her talking to another nurse saying, yeah, Dr. Dumbass couldn't spell Welcome again. (laughs) Oh my god. And he's a doctor. That's so That's scary. Scary. Oh my god. I hope his doctoring is better than his vocabulary. Yeah, really. His spelling. I was in the army. Me and a group of specialists were standing in a circle taking a break in the motor pool. The a lieutenant came out and said he needed a forklift driver, went around the circle, pointed at each male, and asked them if they had their license. None of them did. He huffed and walked away. He had clearly, obviously skipped over the other female and I in the circle. That was fine. We were the only uh, heavy vehicle operators and forklift licensed people there. The dudes were all paralegals and HR specialists. Everyone laughed. What an embarrassing moment for him. He don't even know it. (laughs) What an idiot. (laughs) Such an idiot. Oh my God. Don't ask the girls. They they can't possibly know how to do something like that. Of course. Like that. We're, no, we're too dainty and precious. <laughs> to f- drive a forklift? What? <laughs> God. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> okay, next one. I was working as a teller at a bank years ago, and a Karen was complaining about how slow and shitty my computer was. If I had been using an IBM, she'd have been out of there already. She works at IBM. They only make the best, fastest bank equipment, blah, blah, blah. I slowly, deliberately turned my slow, terrible IBM computer for her to look at. Not another word. (laughs) That's great. Oh, bitch. 
Okay, so when I went to get a haircut this one time, and the hairdresser made a big show of how terrible my faded highlights were, how the previous hairdresser did a lousy job, and how I got ripped off, then he asked me where I got it done. I said, here. <laughs> <laughs> I used to be a zookeeper. This idiot was making fun of our llama for looking ugly. The llama was a rescue who had corrective jaw surgery. She was not ugly. She was adorable. Yet the rude woman pointed and laughed at our llama. In return, the llama spat right in her face. <laughs> I gave the llama a treat and told her she was a good girl. <laughs> you go, girl. That's right. Yes, fuck that lady. <laughs> okay, next one. My stepdad is a driving instructor. I went to get my license pretty late in the game when I was 22 years old. One day he was giving me a lesson and we were going over one of the possible courses that the test takes. While we were driving down a street in the suburbs, a guy is tailgating the life out of me and he's really scary looking dude. Every time I come to a stop sign, I do a full stop, obviously. When I do, he throws his hands in the air and yells. It's starting to stress me out, but my stepdad comes up with a plan. He says, don't worry about it. Watch this. As we were going down the street, he says, okay, in about 50 feet, I want you to start slowing down a little bit, and right when you are in front of that school zone, pull over to the right. So I did. Right after I pull over, the scary-looking, furious guy takes off from behind me like a speeding bullet, and about five seconds later, a patrol car pulls out from behind a tree <laughs> and waves him over for going probably double the speed limit in a school zone. We laughed hard. <laughs> Don't tussle with the driving instructor. That's great. <laughs> it is. I love it. It's perfect, too, because you knew exactly uh -huh. what he would do. Yeah. Ah, fucking dick. <laughs> <laughs> Back when I was in the Air Force, there was a base picnic. I was put on the crew to get things set up. This task was finished, and we were just standing around bullshitting, waiting for people to show up. A young-looking guy, turns out he was in his 40, 40s, but legitimately looked 25, I wonder what his secret is, mm -hmm. walks up and starts talking to us. He introduced himself as the new operations group commander and was a Colonel Select. He'd literally arrived at the base that very morning and heard about the picnic. A couple minutes later, our boss, a major, shows up and walks over to us. He said, hey guys, I think the new OG might be here today. Be on your best behavior because I heard he's a real asshole. We all stared at him in horror. The OG just smiled, stuck out his hand, and said, Hi, I'm the asshole, but you can call me Colonel. <laughs> uh, love to see that guy's face. I know, right? <laughs> that would be great. I worked at a toy store and was called to customer services to check out a supposedly faulty electronic toy. An elderly guy had been complaining to my colleague at the till that the toy was shoddy. And he knows bad quality items when he sees them because he was an electrical engineer. As I'm looking at the toy, the guy continues to give her and me grief. Like, how can you sell such low quality products? Uh, tells us how we've ruined his day by making him ha have to come down to the store. Turns out he had the AA batteries in the wrong way. <laughs> I tell him this, he becomes more irate, clearly embarrassed, but insisting that it definitely didn't work before. He leaves with the item. A couple hours later, my colleague on customer service receives a phone call from the man and can hear a woman's voice in the background, quote, go on, apologize to the poor girl, <laughs> followed by a reluctant apology, 
And even better, she says, and tell her you're not an engineer either. <laughs> oh my God, that's great. I know. <laughs> I love that woman. She's the best. <laughs> okay. I was standing at the corner uh, of a pizza place I work at. Lady storms in and slams a pizza down on the counter. This isn't the fucking pizza I ordered. What the hell are you going to do about it? She asked. I look at the pizza, then at my buddy Nick, and turn back to her and say nothing. She then goes on a long rant telling us about, uh, telling us how we're going to get fired, how stupid and incompetent we were, then asks why the hell we aren't going to do anything. I said because that pizza came from the pizza shop across the street. <laughs> I think she actually managed to shrink in size and slink out looking so pathetic and beaten. I almost felt bad. <laughs> almost. <laughs> almost. Exactly. Don't be a dick. Seriously. It gets you nowhere. Nowhere. Except for people making fun of you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, we get a lot of pleasure from it. Uh, next, when I worked for Starbucks, a rude customer was complaining that his coffee wasn't hot, and he wanted a refund. It was an Americano, and it's burning hot if you've ever had it before. As he proceeded to slam the cup down on the counter, saying, the cup doesn't even feel hot enough. Well, that's because in order to prevent you from burning your hands, we double cupped it and put a sleeve on it. It exploded all over his hands, and he was jumping around yelling, hot, 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 fucking hot. <laughs> One of our regulars, a lovely old lady, watching all this happen, said, Is it hot enough for you now? <laughs> he yelled some insults at her and left the store after threatening to sue us. Oh, my God. Karma. <laughs> I love this one so much. Working as an attendant at a self-checkout, a customer became irate when I told him that we could not accept a coupon that had expired six months previously, and he called me a vapid cunt. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah. Neither he nor I knew up until that moment that my tall, muscular, highly protective older brother was standing in earshot. <laughs> he grabbed the customer by the shoulder, spun him around, leaned down to get at his eye level, and growled, What did you just say to my little sister? <laughs> right in his face. The dude practically peed himself and ran out of the store. <laughs> Great. I love that so much. <laughs> that's awesome I know. okay this is my last one a friend of mine was being screamed at while working at a retail store after about 20 minutes of this lady screaming and getting nowhere she demanded to, uh, that she get her the manager my friend shrugs and leaves to go find the on-duty manager the manager walks up to the lady who immediately starts screaming again and demands that my friend be fired the confused manager stammers out I'm sorry ma'am I can't do that the angry lady demands to know why, and the manager says, because she owns the store. <laughs> I love those. I know. I, love, I would want to own a store just for that. <laughs> Fuck yeah. I'd be like, um, she wanted it, the manager. <laughs> <laughs> she probably was like, what? <laughs> okay. <laughs> See ya, bitch. <laughs> so great. Okay, it's time for the witty wrap-up. Yay, witty wrap-up. I did funny tweets like I do all the time. Now. Okay. All right. If you sneeze directly after applying mascara, you're <laughs> legally allowed to go back to bed. 
I agree. Yes. Oh my gosh, I've done the that worst. before. Yeah. That sucks so bad. It does. It's the worst. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Makeup tip. For clump-free application of mascara, do not apply mascara. Perfect. <laughs> Waterproof mascara, because even though you're a strong woman, you just can't predict losing your shit over a song <laughs> in the bread aisle. <laughs> so true. <laughs> you just never know. <laughs> My mom said she can only wear waterproof mascara, and when I asked why, she just nonchalantly sipped her beer and said, because I cry a lot. <laughs> <laughs> My son wanted to buy, wait, my son wanted me to buy him a $3 donut. And I was like, no way. That's ridiculous for one donut. <laughs> and then I proceeded to drive to Ulta to buy one tube of mascara for $26. Oh my God. Mom math is hard. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I do that all the time. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's hilarious. Nothing makes me more bitter than finding out that my favorite mascara has been discontinued. I have nothing further to say. Goodbye. <laughs> that is a bummer. It does suck. <laughs> Do you ever watch your husband try to find something and think, wow, I married this? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Me, 21. I think having all-boy roommates would be cool. <laughs> me, 39. Living with a husband and three sons. Fuck. <laughs> I know I was thinking about that the other day. Taryn was gone and I have two boy dogs, a boy cat, a boy bunny, a son and a husband. I was like, oh, my God, where did all these males come from? <laughs> I was thinking the other day I've got two. OK, so I got Peyton and Odin. Right. Which are males. And then I've got Leia and Jade, which are females. Right. And the females are fucking nuts. <laughs> the males are all like, You're cool right. And oh laid my gosh. And the females are like fucking well, ridiculous. Leia doesn't count though because she's a small dog. And that's how all small dogs are. But she's still stupid. Well, yeah, but all small dogs are like fucking nuts. Whatever. <laughs> My wife can give the finger with her eyes. Oh, I yeah. Yes, we all can. Yes, we Thank can. you very much. You're we, welcome. We have magic powers. <laughs> <laughs> me. If I have two pieces of cake, will you judge me? Husband. If you don't eat it, the cake will go bad. Me. I vow to never backseat drive again. Husband. Really? No. Oh, my fucking God. No. Just kidding. I love you, though. <laughs> Is your husband mature, or does he ask you to hold his salty nut sack every time he hands you a bag of pistachios at Whole Foods? <laughs> you have to do shit like that to survive adult. That's right. Because if he didn't ask her to hold his salty nut sack, <laughs> she would wonder what was wrong. <laughs> My wife won't let me watch Treehouse Masters anymore because I'm getting ideas for the big cypress tree on our lot. Who doesn't want a treehouse? I roll. <laughs> I want a treehouse. Everyone wants a treehouse. Nobody wants to do it, though. No. 
Wife. We never talk anymore. Me. Puts phone down. Okay, let's talk. Wife. Ew, not now. <laughs> okay. My wife set parental controls on Netflix because I watched a show without her. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> Son, there's a new kid in my class. I think his name is Bill or Billy. Me. Or Mac or Buddy. Him. <laughs> Wife from another room. All I want to do is have some fun. Oh my God. You know that kid was so confused. I have no idea what was going on. That's hilarious. Oh my God. Why the, the way they could do that though. Oh that my was God. Great. Yeah, perfect setup. Perfect. <laughs> 5.45 a.m. in a harsh whisper. Daddy, don't worry. You can sleep. I'm making my own breakfast. How do you turn on the oven? Oh Me. God. I'm up. <laughs> That's so cute that he thought that that would work. <laughs> just real quick. You don't need to get up. Just no, just me. how do you turn the oven on? <laughs> <laughs> That's really cute, though. <laughs> Why would I pay for a haunted house when I can wake up to my kids silently standing by my bed at 5 a.m.? <laughs> yes, that's so super scary. <laughs> Laying and free. In, yeah. <laughs> Laying in bed. Husband. Good morning. Me. Good morning. All three children sitting on top of my head. Good morning. My alarm went off this morning. I turned to my left and there was a child staring directly into my face who said, want to play? <laughs> In a last minute effort to get my boys to sleep past 6 a.m., I told them the first one up cleans the toy room. They've oh. never slept so long. That is brilliant. That is a good idea. I love that. Middle of dinner, my kid, can I have a snack? What? Oh my gosh. Can I have a snack? That's hilarious. Four-year-old, ouch, these spike things are hurting me. Leg hair. He's mm. talking about my leg hair. Oh my gosh, brat. <laughs> these spiky things. I asked my six-year-old, aren't you going to help me plant flowers? And she said, oh, mommy, I would love to do that, except that I don't want to. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh -huh. this is my last one. Me, has someone been playing games on my phone? My kids, not us. My phone signed in as pee-pee-poo-poo-714. -poo <laughs> Wonder who that was. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Oh, my God. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. We really appreciate it. Email in your stories. We still need them. Equalsnightoutpodcast at gmail.com. Rate, review, subscribe wherever you listen. You can look us up on Facebook and request to join the group. And we will talk to you next week. Later. Bye.